Well, let's look at Romans 15, 13 this evening. We are, we've been in a series called The Source of Hope, talking about hope, which uh, in the Bible is expectation, it's confident, expectation of good. And uh, let's read Romans 15, 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the New Living Translation, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the ERV, it says, I pray that God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace as you trust in Him. Then you will have more and more hope, and it will flow out of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Passion Translation, it says, Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. So God is the source of hope. He's the one that we look to for hope, for true hope. Hope is expectation of good. Hope is not wishing. Hope is I expect something good. I believe something, so I'm, I'm expecting things to be good. And so here it's saying that God, as we look to Him, He'll fill you with hope, expectation of good, that we would just abound in it uh, so much in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has something to do with it. Our understanding of God has something to do with it. As you hear the Word of God, then hope is there. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And when faith comes, you believe something. And when you believe something, you expect something. And so that all, but God is the source of all that. And as we uh, get to know Him more and get to know His Word more and come up in Him, then expectation just abounds. There's not a place where we just uh, stop expecting, where we're increasing in expecting, increasing in uh, confidence that there will be good in our future. Yes. Amen? Amen? Just think about that that there, there is always good in your future coming. The lack of hope will start, will start causing you to look down and to not expect something good, that maybe thinking that the best days, your best days are behind you, but the hope of God, God, who is the author of hope, he's always do, doing something new. There's never going to reach a point where he's like, well, that's it, show's over. That's all I got. Think about it. That'll never happen. Ever. Forever. We can't comprehend that. But it's true. So if we're looking to Him, we can keep going up, keep going over, keep going through, because you know it's going to be good. Might not always look good. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at God. You know, some days uh, you can't see the sun because there's clouds there. That doesn't mean there's not a sun. On a really clear day, you know, you can see for miles and miles. Well, sometimes it's cloudy. That doesn't mean, you know, when you're coming down through Andover on 28, you know, down the hill, if you're coming over there and it's a clear day, you can see a ways down there. And there's the hills and the, the anybody know what I'm talking about? 
on a, in the morning, you can see a ways, you see all the trees, you can see forever. Uh, not forever, but you know, far. <laughs> and uh, when it's cloudy though, and you can't see it, that doesn't mean those hills and those trees and all that, that disappeared. They're there. You just can't see them. Well, that's the same thing with our life. Just because there's circumstance that you can't see past, God's still there. He's still the source. And so by faith, we can look past everything that, that we see and know that He's still there, that He's still trustworthy, and we can expect something even though there may be no reason in the natural to expect. Yeah. Amen. Let's look at Hebrews 7, verse 18. So God is the source of hope. Before we go there, I'll just read this to you. 1 Timothy 1, 1 says Jesus Christ is our hope and that he gives us hope. So the Lord Jesus is our way to God for hope. God is the source of hope. Jesus is the way that we experience that. Hebrews 7, 18 This is talking about Jesus and the covenant. We're going to read some scriptures in Hebrews quite a bit here, but this, we're not going to take time to read all these chapters, but there's so much here, and we're going to touch on some verses and then go further in some other things. But let's look at Hebrews 7, verse 18. It says, For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment, talking about the old covenant, the law, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand... There is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Let's read that again. It's talking about, in context, we just kind of pick up here, but there's a lot going on in these chapters, but it's talking about Jesus being our high priest, and it's talking about how in the Old Covenant uh, it was different. We didn't have Jesus, and so that was the former commandment, and it wasn't profitable, and it wasn't good, but now we have a better hope with what we have through Jesus. Verse 18 says, For on the one hand, there is a nulling or canceling out of the former commandment, the old covenant, pre-Jesus, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. In other words, it didn't really, it wasn't good. It, it wasn't um, where the new covenant is strong and stable. The old covenant wasn't. It was weak and, and unprofitable. Verse 19, For the law made nothing perfect. All the rules and regulations made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope, a better expectation through which we draw near to God, talking about the covenant which we now live in through Jesus. In the Amplified Classic, verse 19 says, For the law never made anything perfect, but instead a better hope is introduced through which we now come close to God. See, in, our, in the covenant, we're going to read a lot about this, in the covenant that we're in now, Jesus is the way to God and the way to maintain relationship with God. And Jesus is the way that we continue to walk in expectation and hope through our lives. If we're not, if we're not stable and secure in what He's done, then even though... You know, we've spent weeks on, on this subject about expecting and about believing God and expecting good things. One thing that can trip you up pretty easily if we're not um, secure uh, in it is, if not secure in the truths of God's word, 
You can believe God's word and that God has something for you, but if you get your eyes onto you and your ability to do everything right, you will trip up. If you take your eyes off Jesus as the source of your hope and him as the maintainer of your covenant, then even if you, you know, you can have lots of good preaching on, let's, let, we'll expect good things. But if you stumble, if you don't do everything that you believe you ought to be doing, even if it's not sin per se, but you just don't feel like you're, you're where you should be, that can cause you to or it can, it can steal your hope, expectation. You're like, I know I should expect, but I just did this, or I just messed this up, or this isn't quite right. And so that can cause your eyes to fall and you to stop expecting, not because you don't know the truth that you should expect, but now you've looked at the wrong thing, and it, it can steal your hope, because Satan's crafty. If he can't steal the word that you know God has something for you, God's word promises good things, if he can't steal that, he can shift to where, yeah, that's good for some people, and if you were living up to it, it would be for you, but too bad, you don't qualify. And you want to believe, but that can, that can just, as it, as it were, just um, take the, the rug right, underneath, right out from underneath you, and you think it's for somebody else. And you can come out of a service, that you're, 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 you feel like you're expecting, and if you stumble and mess up, by the time you get home, you know, not saying you should, but you know, you, you uh, say something you shouldn't or, or whatever, uh, we need to know how to handle these. We need to know how to handle these things because if we don't, we'll, we'll stumble, we'll fall, and even though uh, we know God's Word promises certain things and we want to look forward, if we don't know our place through the Lord Jesus and know what he's truly done, we'll be stolen from. And you get to play it where, well, I, I, I like to believe something's good, but man, I just, I just can't, if it's up to me, I can't do it. Well, we need to know the balance in these things. We're just going to look at a few verses concerning this. Let's go uh, to the next verse, Hebrews 7, verse 20. Well, let's read 19 and then we'll go to verse 20. For the law never made anything perfect, but instead a better hope is introduced through which we now come close to God. This is, this is the Lord Jesus. Uh, through His death, burial, and resurrection, this is how we come close to God. Hebrews 7.20, next verse says, And inasmuch as He was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but He was uh, with an oath by Him who said to Him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 22, by so much more, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant. Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. Jesus is the reason we have a better covenant than the old covenant it was all up to you. It was how well you could do everything right. And it was. Your expectation of good was fully concerned or fully based on how well you could perform. And if you performed well, then you could expect good. If you didn't, you wouldn't expect good. But Jesus is the surety of a better covenant where that's not the case. Jesus is the one that paid for us to enjoy what he's paid for even if we're not perfect, that's the reason he came. 
See, one is religion. The religions of the world will all tell you, you got to be a good person. And if you're a good person, whatever their idea of gods or God or, you know, deity is, they may accept you, but it's basically you trying to earn your way to God. The gospel, the truth, the, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is He came to pay the way for us. So even though we didn't earn, He did it for us. And by faith in Him, we can now walk with God in right relationship with Him. And it, even if we miss it, even we don't intend to, but even if, if we sin, if we miss it, we have a way to get right back with Him in full confidence and keep moving forward. And so we can, we can be confident in that and strong in that. Let's skip down to uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 8.1. It says, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest, that's, called, that's Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Talking about the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices continually. Why did they do that? Because people sinned, and so they offered sacrifices to cover that sin. They had to do it continually. This says, Therefore it is necessary that this one, Jesus, also has something to offer. For if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises." Jesus is the mediator, the go-between of a better covenant which is established on better promises. Better promises than what? Better promises than the old covenant, which was do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And if you can keep it, then you're blessed. If you don't, then you're not blessed. Well, then if you're talking about expectation and hope, what is it tied to? How well I can perform. I expect good if I perform good. So go perform well. So if I'm doing well, I expect good. But the moment I'm messing up, what is my expectation? Not good. See, if we bring that into our current living in our our um, our relationship with God, then even though we actually have a better covenant, you, we can be acting like we don't have a good covenant. Actually, we can act, be acting like we have the old covenant, which is purely performance-based, and your hope will be just up and down. Do you see that? If your hope or your expectation is good is completely on how you perform, then your expectation is going to be tied completely to how well you're doing right now. Well, it makes it very difficult when we talk about no matter what, you can have hope. That's great until if, you have, if we have a, a misunderstanding of what Jesus has done, you, you'll be strong until something doesn't, you don't do something right, and now it becomes, well, 
Satan will come and, and try to condemn you and say, well, you don't qualify for that. You don't qualify. That's great. I mean, that's true. You, you, could, you could expect good if you were doing everything right. Or if you had done everything right. This is what it'll tell people too. Well, that'd be great if you hadn't made any mistakes in your life, but you know that thing you did however many years ago, that's messed up your life and you, don't, you can't expect good. Other people that didn't mess up, they can expect good, but you can't expect good. And so he'll try to keep you there. Well, that makes it hard to expect good. That makes it hard to, you can hear a sermon on expect, and just like, yes, and he'll come, yeah, but you don't qualify. Satan will do that. Well, we need to know how to combat that. We need to know that Jesus, he is a mediator of a better covenant based on better promises. That you don't have to do everything perfect. You, you need to, to come to God on, based on what Jesus did and maintain your relationship based on what Jesus did. And if we do that, we can have consistent expectation of good no matter what. If we understand what we need to do and how to walk out life, and if we do miss it, what do we do? Just throw up our hands and go... Well, I had a good run, but it's over. No, that's not how we act. We need to know that Jesus, through his blood, will, he has made the way for us to stay moving on with God and stay in an expectation and stay expecting good, even if we don't walk perfectly. Let's read uh, Hebrews 9, verse 11. Like I said, we're not taking time to, to read all through this, but just touching on some things. You, you, it would benefit you to go and just read these chapters that we're reading tonight. Just go through and read all the connectivity. But I'm just touching on a few things as a background. Hebrews 9, verse 11 <clears throat> It says, but Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So he's saying, if the blood of these animals that were offered in the Old Testament, if they had covering power, how much more that Jesus, for his sacrifice, will completely uh, cleanse our conscience, conscience so that we can serve God. And that's what we need, is that we understand that we're right with God because of what Jesus did, which will cause us to maintain our walk with God, and continually, no matter what happens, we'll still have our hope intact. If we understand what he did and understand that it's not based on what we've done, 
but it's based on our response to what He's done and continuing like that. Let's look at Hebrews 10, verse 1. We'll just read a little bit more in Hebrews 10, then we'll go on. I know there's a lot here. I'm just picking out a few things just, to, just so that we can go forward. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So he's saying that in the Old Covenant, there's constantly sacrifices being made year by year, but, it, the, but the people are never made right. They have to keep doing it. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. He's saying if those sacrifices worked, then you wouldn't have to keep doing them. It says, for the worshipers once uh, purified would, would have no more consciousness of sins. Now, now, listen here. He's saying that if the sacrifices worked, or you could say people's ideas of what they need to do to get back in right standing with God, which people make up through religion, through things we've learned, Things that if we're not right, we think we almost have to do penance some way back to God. And there are uh, areas of you know, religions that talk about doing penance. What they're saying is, you did something wrong, and so now you have to pay for it in, a, in, a, in order to get back right with God. And that's exactly what this is talking about, that if that's the case, that's what those Old Testament sacrifices were. They were constantly being offered because people did things wrong, so they never actually solved the problem. They just kept being offered. But with those, it said there was a consciousness of sin. In other words, because they had to keep offering them, they kept knowing that they're not measuring up. And if we put in some other mechanism where we think, I have to keep doing something to earn my way back to God that keeps you in a consciousness of not doing things right. So you can be, even though Jesus paid for it, you can feel like I'm never able to actually expect good because I did something wrong. I'm never quite there and, and then you do something wrong. So you, now you feel like you have to do penance or you feel like you have to just get back to God and oh, I'm so sorry and repent for three days and whatever. Instead, of just going on and expecting good, you're constantly stuck in feeling like you didn't measure up. You can constantly feel guilty, constantly feel remorse, constantly feel condemnation, which is very hard then to expect good because you're in a mode of feeling like you just messed up. You're always looking back. It's hard to look forward because you're looking back. But it said that there was a constant consciousness of sin. Verse 3 says, But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It's just not possible that those sacrifices could do away with the sin. It just was a reminder that there was sin. Let's skip down to verse 11. This is saying here what is actually the solution to the problem. 
It says that every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from the, that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one, footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. It's saying Jesus came, and instead of having sacrifices over and over, instead of having penance over and over, Jesus made one sacrifice so that through that one sacrifice, this one offer, offering, He has perfected forever those that are being sanctified or those that are being set apart. That's us if we've, if we've trusted Him. That we have been perfected, that we have been made right with Him for good, we have right relationship with Him, and so we can walk then in a place where we're expecting good in our life, even if you don't do everything perfect, if we know how to take care of it, then we can keep expecting good, we can keep expecting things in the future to be better and to be good regardless of the fact that we're not perfect. So our expectation is now tied to what God has done through Jesus rather than what we're doing. And so that can stabilize us. That can strengthen us. That can make us so you actually can walk in expectation of good day by day, even though you're not walking perfectly. Let's read a little bit further. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us after He had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then He adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission or forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Meaning, God is saying, I won't remember the sins and lawless deeds anymore, and there is no longer any more offering or payment for sin because Jesus did it once. Jesus has paid the way for us to be right with God, and we respond to Him and believe on what He did, then God, when we have the right response to the Lord Jesus, God doesn't remember our sin anymore. When we take care of it, when we separate ourselves from it, when we repent of it, He doesn't remember it anymore. And there is now no more offering for sin. There is no more trying to get back with God continually. We believe on what Jesus did, and now we can go forward confident day by day and walk in what He's provided for us, walk in hope, walk in expectation, walk in strength, because we're confident that what Jesus did was enough. Satan may try to bring up things from the past, mistakes from the past, mistakes from five years ago, mistakes from this afternoon, but when we know what Jesus has done and how to take care of it, we can... We can put it off to the side, know that God isn't remembering it, God, know that we're forgiven, and keep moving forward. And so even if you make a mistake, you can still go forward. 
Even if you make another mistake, not that you intend to make a mistake, not you, because you don't want to mess with sin. You don't want to mess with wrongdoing. The Bible says the wages of sin are, is death. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just doesn't matter what you do. It matters what you do. You could go out and do something really dumb and spend the rest of your life in prison, even though Jesus loves you. That, that's not a, you could destroy a relationship. God would love you, but you just messed up that relationship. That's not good for anybody. You could do something and mess up your health really bad. I mean, you, know, like you could do something and, and cause yourself an accident that you're without a limb or something, that it was all because of something foolish. God still loves you, but I mean, out of a fit of anger or something. But even with whatever the case is, God, there is forgiveness and restoration in Him. We don't want to purposely, my point is, we don't want to mess with stuff just to mess with it. But if we bump up against something, we were doing what we knew to do, we, and we, we didn't have a heart to mess it, but we did, there is restoration and forgiveness and cleansing in Him, and it, we can walk in that daily, and so thereby keep our expectation and our hope alive. We need to know that because Satan will try to say, well, you messed up. You did this so you can't expect good. Well, you don't want to go do it on purpose, but if you, if, if you had a mistake and you brought it before God, you've taken care of it, now you have every right to expect everything that God's word promises for you. Now. And we need to reject anything that will say, no, you're disqualified. No, based on the blood of Jesus, based on what he did, I am qualified. Let's look at 1 John 1. Now, before we go there, let's go to Romans 3. We'll just read this, and then we'll go to 1 John 1. <clears throat> Romans 3 says, But now the righteousness, that means the right standing of God apart from the law is revealed. So there is right standing based on laws and regulations in the Old Covenant. But this is saying the right standing of God apart from that is revealed, apart from the law, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, even the right standing, the righteousness of God, right standing with God, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So being right with God through faith in what Jesus has done. It says, to all and on all who, will, who believe. To all and on all who believe. So the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. So being righteous because you believe something more than because you did something. To maintain that place where you believe what Jesus has done and believe what He has paid for in spite or in the face of your failings and to walk there. Let's go to 1 John 1.9. There's a, some things here I want to go over. 1 John, we'll go on 1 John 1 5, sorry. It says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him 
is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Verse 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, if we walk in what we know and what you understand, in other words, you're doing what you know to do. You're walking in the light that you have. Then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we are walking in life, we're doing what we know to do, even if we're not doing everything perfect, the Bible says if we walk according to the light we have, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So sometimes people get caught up going, gosh, I wonder... I mean, maybe there's stuff I'm doing wrong that I just don't know about. And then, well, this is what this verse is talking about. If you are only accountable for what you see and what you know. And there will be things as we grow that we understand more. And if we see something later, we're like, good night, Lord, I did that. You know, forgive me for that. But the blood of Jesus was cleansing you the whole time. You don't have to worry that there's just something out there that's going to derail everything. The verse 8 says, if we say, if, we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins or acknowledge our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if we do something that we know we shouldn't do, if we have light on a subject and we know I did something wrong, I said something I shouldn't, I did something I shouldn't, what is our response to that? It's not to just throw your hands up and say, I just, I know I can never do it right anymore, forget it, I'm just such a bad person, and then beat ourselves up for three days, which is a form of penance, and say, I just can't do it, and feel like you're apart from God, and feel like you can't go on, and you don't have any hope for the future, and then finally you wear yourself out and kind of grovel back to God and say, okay, well, I know I messed up, but please take me back, and now you kind of mope mope back up into where you feel okay, and then a little bit more okay, and then after a week, you feel like, okay, now I can go on with God again. That's not what we should do. It's telling us here, if we miss it, we come to God and say, that was wrong. What I did or what I said, how would you know? Because it violates what you did, violates the Word of God and your understanding and what you understand. You know you did it wrong. You don't have to go and make something up. You don't have to say, gosh, I wonder if I did something wrong today. You know it. You know, I shouldn't have said that. No, it shouldn't have did that, done that. When you do that, what do you do? Ignore it? Should you just ignore it and say, oh, well, there, no, that, that wasn't wrong. Never mind. And your conscience is bothering you. Oh, see, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you're lying. Don't, don't do that. If you, if you missed it, what should we do? Not run away from God. Run to God and say, Lord, I, I missed it. I confess. What is confess? You acknowledge it. You just say, that was wrong. By acknowledging it, you're saying, I'm, I'm separating myself from it. Because if you miss it, Satan will try to come right away and say, well, see, you missed it. 
you did that wrong, so therefore, and they'll try to paint a picture of you're not going to be able to go forward. You don't deserve such and such. Now, you were doing great, but you messed up, so now you can't expect good, and they'll try to stop you right there as if there is no way out. What do we do? We do exactly what this verse says. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do? If we say, if we missed it, if we sinned, we say, Lord, I missed it. That was wrong. I acknowledge it. I didn't want to do it right away. And the Bible says He forgives us. He'll forgive you. He says it forgives our sins and it'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? He, he accepts you. He forgives you and cleanses you just as if you never did anything wrong. What does that mean? You can go right on without missing a beat. You didn't want to mess up, but you did. So you get up, and you, you, can, you acknowledge it, God, that was wrong, please forgive me, and He forgives you, and you go on, and you don't have to spend a week away from God. You don't have to spend a month. You don't have to grovel. And, and wallow, we can just get up and go on and now expect good anyway. And say, when we start to be in that mode where I'm going to expect good even if I missed it, because I've already done what the Bible said, I've taken it to Him. The Bible says He, he forgets about it, He separates it from us, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, so you may have a remembrance of it. Satan may try to remind you of it, but you take God at His word, and He said He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness, so you take Him at His word and say, I'm free from that, I'm cleansed, and I'm going on anyway, and I still expect good. And Satan will try to tell you, well, you can't expect good. You say, I will anyway, because I know what the Word says. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, and I'm going to live in it, I'm going to walk in it, and I'm going to expect good now. And Satan will tell you, well, you, you can't. Yes, I can, because he's, our, he's the reason that I can expect good, not my goodness. Otherwise, see, then I'm going back into that old covenant where it is all about what I'm doing, and my only expectation of good is when I'm doing everything perfect. The new covenant is Jesus is the reason we can expect good, and I maintain my relationship with Him, and now I can keep expecting good, and I can stay there. I can maintain that. I can keep moving on with Him. I can, it, and I can stay in the mode that, no, I'm, I'm still going to overcome. I'm still going to receive all that He has for me. I'm still going to win. Because Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. He's the mediator of a better covenant. He's the mediator of the covenant that I have with God. And so I believe Him. I believe the truth. And so I'm relying on Him. I'm relying on that truth. I'm not looking to my own ability. I'm not looking to my own works. I, I intend to do everything I can to serve God. But if I stumble, I know where to go. I know who to look to. And I'm not going to be stolen from. Amen? Amen? 
Thank you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just look at, uh, I'll just relate this story to you. You may be familiar with the woman with the issue, or not the woman with the issue of blood, the, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Let's just look at that. Just look at it real briefly as we're, we're finishing up here. I'll just leave you with this. Let's look at John 8, verse 2. It says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. All the people came to him, and they sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. See, that's the old covenant. That's saying she deserves death. She deserves what, what the law says. She deserves that she committed adultery, so she deserves to be stoned. It says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that she should, such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Verse 7, when they had continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, who, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a, a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are the accusers of yours? No, has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And this is a perfect view of, of what Jesus has done with the new covenant. She was caught in the very act of adultery. She deserved to be stoned. But Jesus said, I mean, he, he talked to the accuser, said, hey, any of you, whoever is without sin, you throw the first stone. And they all walked away. They realized that they weren't perfect. See, Satan will try to tell you, you have to be perfect to get anything from God. That's just not true. Nobody would get anything from God ever. You, anybody else. But Jesus said, hasn't anybody condemned you? She said, no, nobody has. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And that's what God, through Jesus, is saying to us. Look, if you miss it, what do you do? Go to Jesus and say, Lord, I missed it. See, she, she, she didn't try to hide it. She didn't try to act like it wasn't true. She was just like, I know. I mean, she got caught in the very act. But she went to Jesus. He did not condemn her. And he said, just go, don't do it again. Keep moving on. And that's what we're to do. You miss it. Condemnation will try to come and say, you might as well forget it, buddy. Just hang it up. You're never going to get there. 
And what God is saying, if you'll go to him and just say, Lord, I missed it, I blew it, then there is forgiveness, there is cleansing, and you can get up and just go on. What if you miss it again? You do the same thing. See, Satan will try it. Now, we're not saying that we should do it over and over, but if we do, if we make a mistake, if we not even sin, if you, you make a mistake, it wasn't sin per se, but it was just a mistake, Satan will say, you're not qualified anymore. You've messed up too many times. What do we do? Go to God and say, Lord, if it was a, a sin, you say, I'm sorry. If it, if it was just a mistake, Lord, I'm sorry. Just help me to do better. But anyway, I still expect good. I still expect things to happen. I still expect your will. I still expect to win. I still expect your goodness in my life because I'm trusting you. I know I missed it, but you said to come to you. I've come to you, so I'm going on. And just, I'm going to keep going on. And so, you know, thought will come, well, why would you expect anything good? Because of the Lord Jesus and everything he's done and his precious blood, and I'm going on. And I'm going to go on. And I'm going to keep going on. Well, you can have hope then. You can have expectation of good. Because it's not you. And then all glory goes to Him. Amen?